Coming up with prayer and amen. We know it's storming outside, but God's glory is on the inside. Amen. And we're just going to enjoy the house of the Lord. I know it's uh, raining and I know God's going to pour out his spirit upon us today. I want to read a, a, a real amazing promise in scripture. You know, the Lord is so good to you. He's so good to us. And it, uh, David wrote this psalm. It says, Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy and show my salvation. Can you say amen? You know, we, we really serve an amazing God. He is so good. And uh, the, the, the beauty of, of our salvation is that the Lord continues to reveal himself. And that's, that's the thing that draws us. Bible says that faith works by love, and we're just going to ask the Lord right now just to touch us and open the heavens upon us. I believe God is going to move by His Spirit today. I believe there's going to be something special that's going to happen in our midst. I believe the Lord's going to do some healing and ministry and reviving. And you know, you know, the one thing about the Lord, He's never stagnant, and He loves to surprise us. God loves to do the unexpected. And so today we're going to expect the unexpected. Amen? Amen. Father, we just come before you this morning. Lord, even as David who ran even into the house of the Lord, Lord, we, we're running towards you. We thank you for the abundance of your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Lord, we thank you that you have exalted our horn. You have just put us in a high place. You've blessed us with such abundance and abundant life. And Father, we know today it's raining over Garland and we need the rain. But Lord, we just pray that you just give your people safety as they come to the house of the Lord in this rain, the storm. Lord, just put your arms and your angels around your people today. Father, we, we just surrender and submit this time, this service into your hands. It's not just another worship service. It's We believe, Lord, you're coming to revive and resurrect you. We believe, Lord, you're coming to minister life to your people. Lord, we know that when we leave here today, we will not be the same as we walked in. We believe for the power of transformation and life to permeate and penetrate into our hearts and our minds that the glory of Jesus, Lord, would be just experienced and felt in our midst this very day. And we give you the praise that everyone said. Amen. Turn to someone, give them a hug, and we're going to go right into worship this morning. Amen.
Become my embrace to love you from me. 
Oh, Jesus, Jesus, love, 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 says the Lord. We talk about love, we talk about love a lot. But the Lord says this day that he wants to bathe you in an unconditional love for the lost, the dying, the hurting, the sinner, the effeminate, the adulterer, those that are far away from the Lord. Are you here this day to seek my face? Then if you're here this day to seek my face, you will have my love. You will have my love for the lost, the hurting, the dying. 
that is the sinner of the world. You will have a love for them that I will give you and only I can give you, saith the Lord. It will be a love that will not take on any hurts. You will not be offended by anything, for you shall have my love, saith the Lord this day. If you want my love this day, hold up your hands to the heavens right now. If you want that love from the Lord, hold up your hands up high and say, Lord Jesus, bathe me with your love, with your unconditional love. Lord, that I can see things that the world can't see. I can see your love in every individual I contact. In every situation I come into, I will see it how you see it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. The Lord has been speaking me to, to me in the past few weeks, and uh, Kathy and I are in our prayer times in a way that I've never thought of things before. Just in a way of love. And I'm telling you here today that I don't have that love that I just prayed for, for all of us. But I know the Lord is giving me that love. I know that Lord is pouring that love out. It is coming. It is coming. It's coming to all of us. But He showed me some things and even how to react to situations because there's many things even on the news now and the political agenda and whatever's going on in the world. And there's different agendas. There's a homosexual agenda. There's a, a, this agenda, that agenda, liberal agenda, conservative agenda. It, you just name it. It's all out there. But the Lord says, John, you need to look at it from my eyes. And my eyes is one of unconditional love. And when the situation comes up that you're in, I will give you the words to say, it'll be my words. It won't be the words of the world. And I've been looking at things differently. And even as I watch little things, tidbits of the news here and there, I see things from a different perspective. I see it from the Lord's perspective. And the Lord's perspective is so different from what the paper brings out or what the internet brings out. And the Lord is saying today that He is going to bathe his church with new love with new eyes so when that situation comes up you're going to give the word of the lord it'll be god speaking and not you thank you lord father we thank you for your love and mercy and grace and unconditional love and grace just pour it out in this church pour it out on your church lord Lord, the church next door, the church down the street, the church all over this city and all over this nation, your church, let your people, Lord, have a new vision and a new eye for love as you know love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, the Bible says that prophecy is the voice of the bridegroom speaking to the bride. How many of you heard the voice of the bridegroom today? He's speaking to the church. You know, I uh, one of the things I I was going to come up, and John came up about, about this. In fact, you can go ahead and be seated here for a few minutes. 
I, I really feel as we're waiting before the Lord. Now, Jesus said in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus was talking about Satan. Do you know the, the one thing the devil wants if he can steal it is your heart. If it can somehow captivate your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that in the last days, it says, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. I, I pray that my heart will never grow cold towards the Lord. I really do. I, I pray that my heart doesn't grow cold, lukewarm. There's a warning in Revelation 3 when John was prophesying to the church at Laodicea. He said to the church, because Laodicea was in a city that was very industrial. It was very wealthy. It was a very wealthy city. A lot of trade routes came through Laodicea. But John was speaking to the church and he says, because you say I am rich and increased with goods and I have need of nothing. He says, but you do not know that you're poor, blind, wretched, and naked. And then he says, you're lukewarm. And I, I, I tell you, the Lord was laying this on my heart, how lukewarmness can just put us into a state of mind where we begin to just become distant our heart grows cold and the Lord really laid on my heart we, we be, it's not that you're in any deep sin or you're walking away from the Lord but it's, it's just life life has a way of just drawing us away the Lord is, the Lord is saying tonight, today I, I just sense in my spirit that he is drawing near to us and he's calling us to draw near to him today He's calling us. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And I, I even want to love. I would never want to, to try to live my life without Jesus. I, I would never want to go and just do things without Him. It's a dangerous way to live. It's a dangerous, dangerous way to live with living without Him in my life. My heart just grows cold and I just felt like the Lord was saying today that the Lord wants to just baptize you. When John said, God wants to just baptize us with unconditional love. It's love that draws us back. Remember the story of the prodigal? The prodigal left the father's house. and In his arrogance, he left the comfort and the relationship of his dad. The Bible says that when he went way that it took him down. It always takes you down when you're walking away from the Lord. But the Bible says he came to himself. Aren't you glad when we come to ourselves? He came to himself and he began to think about how his father treats his servants in his house. And the Bible says that he began to make his way back to his father's house and as he was coming back to his father's house 
he said to himself, when I meet my dad, I'm going to let my dad know, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called a son. But it was the love that drew him back. And, you know, I'm just saying that this morning. I believe God's knocking on the door of our hearts to draw us back. Amen? He's not coming with any condemnation, but he wants to draw you back with his love. And he wants you to know it's not by works of righteousness. It's not what you do, but it's staying in the love of God. It's John says to keep yourself in the love of God. And one of the things that I do is, is I, need, I need to learn how to receive. I need to learn how to open my heart and just simply receive. Everyone say receive. But I, I've got to learn to receive it. And I, I've got to put out all the problems and all the failures and just the Lord says, I want you to come as you are and just simply open your heart and, and receive. Because we have a Father who loves to give. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's, he's a giving God and he's here to give you grace. Grace in time of need. Grace where there's been sin. Grace where you've just kind of become a spiritual drifting. I want to give you grace to receive this morning. He says, I come to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This morning, he just says, I want you to receive my grace this morning. It's not about fighting your way back in. It's not about trying harder. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's just about simply saying, Father, I need your help. I need you, Lord, today. Jesus says today, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. God is saying, I want to cause your heart to be recharged. Some of us need re-energized today. Some of us need to have kind of a what I call a spiritual defibrillator where pop just pops and just charges our heart. We've just kind of gone on life support and God wants to just recharge your battery this morning, your heart this morning. wants to touch you by the power of his great love. Can you say amen? Father, we just I want you to lay your hands on your heart this morning and really sense the Lord just touching us this morning. He wants you to know how special you are. He wants you to know that you're a peculiar people. You're a holy nation. You're a royal and your kings and priests unto him. He's never turned his back on you. We might turn and walk away or run from him, but he's never turned away from us. Father, this morning we come before you. Lord, you're a father who loves us. You're a father who comes, Lord, to go right you. You search the heart. You know the intents of the spirit of man. The spirit of the Lord is the candle all the inner parts of a man. Lord, you search and you know our ways. You try our hearts. Father, give us a heart, a willing heart, a surrendered heart, a yielded heart this morning. We thank you, Father, that you do not come to condemn us, but you come to restore us. And we give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. God is good, isn't he? So good this morning.
Um, I just want to say, before we do announcements and take tithe, I just want to give God some glory for what he's been doing in my life. Um, probably like four four months ago now, uh, I heard a sermon on YouTube, and the guy actually wasn't even preaching over this. He just felt the Holy Spirit lead him to say this uh, before he started preaching. And he was talking about how the Bible says to, to tithe, and a tithe is 10%, but then he also said, the Bible says, give your first fruits. And he was like, has anyone ever thought that, that that's interesting? Because the first fruits in like a crop or an orchard or whatever is what blooms first and you don't know what's going what's gonna to actually make it. So how do you know what 10% of, of like the whole thing is if, if it's the first fruits that you're given? Um, and so he went on from this to say that like Jesus said, to the measure that you give, it'll be given back to you. Um, and a lot of people are like, ah, I have to tithe and I just have to do this. But the heart of God is to put you in the driver's seat of how much you receive based off of how much you give to him. And so I heard that and I was like, huh, that's, that's an interesting idea. And I decided to try it out. Um, I work at IHOP, and I'm a server there. I get tips for, and that's, that's how I make money. I don't have, like, a check. And so I was like, I want to, I want to see if God will give me $1,000 this month. And so I gave $100 at the beginning of the month before I had anything. Um, and probably by, like, the 20th of that month, the month wasn't even over yet, um, God did not give me um, 10% back, I actually ended up making like $1,400. And so he took the 10% that I gave and made it like probably 7 or 6%. And I was like, well, that didn't really work. And so I gave God like 50 more dollars. And by the end of the month, I probably had like 1600 So it was like I would give to God and he would give more to me than I gave to him. And then I tried to, like, give to match that. And he was like, nope, we're giving you more. And he just kept increasing and increasing on what I gave to him. And I just wanted to say that he's so faithful. And he loves us. And he's not going to be like, okay, you gave me 10%. I'll just take that and not give anything back. His heart is to give to us. And his heart is to increase in our life. But we have to take that first step to, to say, like, I trust you. I know that you're a good God and he's faithful to come behind that and he's faithful to give to us. Amen. We just speak that word as our ushers just come forth for the tithe and offering. That was perfect timing. Father, we just we thank you for what you're doing in Jonathan's life and in our lives. We thank you that you are good and you are faithful in our finances and in every area. And for anyone who just needs that measure of trust and that courage just to step out and say, God, I trust you with my finances, I just speak that over them this morning, that we would just receive that, that trust in you to know that you are faithful and you are taking care of us and that your heart towards us is good, even in our finances. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, just a few announcements. Uh, are you talking? Okay. Go ahead, Judy. Go ahead. 
sincere thanks to everyone who helped, sorry, in any way with the garage sale. It was a good success, but God told me yesterday it wasn't about the money, sorry. It was about relationships. We encountered so many people. We showed the love of God. We had all our prices marked, but God said, cut the price, give them a bargain. And God just brought the people in. We had a lady that had a testimony that she prayed and asked God for a certain item, and she came to our garage sale, found it. Not only the item, but the exact color. We had people that a gentleman said, what is the money for? And we told him, well, here, here's a couple of dollars extra. So it was more about people and showing the love of God than about the money. We did raise money, but it was relationships yesterday. And give Judy a hand. I mean, this, she's so organized, right? I mean, she's it's all right there. Yeah. That's really all the announcements. Looms of Love, ladies, you have a meeting today right after church, and that's really all the announcements I have. Where are you guys meeting, Jerry? Fellowship Hall, okay, right after church. So um, Tiny Tots and Power Kids, you guys can be dismissed to your classes at this time. Thank you. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Man. You know, the Bible says that the path of the just shines more and more. That's the beauty about serving Jesus. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and serve him. You know what? You, you're never going to be disappointed when you serve God. He always takes you from glory to glory, doesn't he? I mean, the Lord, I mean, see, the reason why God has to bring increase and in glory in every aspect of your life is because you are the light and the salt of the earth. You reflect the, 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 the success and the love and the life of the Father. And if you're in poverty and you're poor and you're weak and you're decrepit, that, that's not a good testimony to Jesus. That's why you and I are filled with all of God's goodness. That he, and he just wants to continue to lavish his goodness. And Man, Jonathan, I want to thank you for that testimony. I, I tell you, how many of you know you can't outgive God? You just can't outgive God. Well, uh, before we get into the message this morning, I also wanted to just say amen to the word that uh, Brother John brought today through the word. I, I thought that was so powerful, that prophetic word. also wanted to remind everybody, Monday nights, we're having a, a prayer on Monday nights here at the church. And uh, also Wednesday nights, we're on a series on renewing the mind. And Brother James is on that series uh, David, myself, and James were sharing <clears throat> a teaching session through the uh, springtime here on the renewing of the mind. You do not want to miss it. It's been powerful and just a great series on that. Uh, before I get into the word, though, I've asked uh, Leanne and James and Claire and anyone else that had uh, a, a week ago, they had gone and the Lord uh, just sent them to be a part of the Azusa Street Revival Conference that was held in L.A. And I've, I've asked them to share what the Lord just did for them, uh, amazing things that God was doing. I, I think uh, we want to hear what God was saying. One of the things that um, 
I noticed when I was first there was an anticipation. There was the gates uh, to get in were supposed to open at 6, and they were supposed to start everything about 7. Well, I was there standing in line at 5 in the morning, <laughs> and there was people, and it was seeming like it was getting close to wrapping around the whole Coliseum of people waiting to get in. Just, just this hunger, this anticipation that God is going to do something wonderful. Uh, they had a pre-registration, and there was... Um, 110,000 people that pre-registered to go and there's a lot of us had some type of conflict some type of uh, things going on in our lives uh, work uh, sickness uh, uh, talk to somebody that uh, their GPS just would not work that morning to try to get there and they're like what in the world okay well these were basically hindrances uh, there, there's such a hunger, there's all these hindrances, there's a sacrifice to get there. And those that got there, those that were in the stadium standing for, let's say it's like 15 hours, there was about 65,000 people standing there, well, mostly standing. You brought your own chair. <laughs> and just worshiping God, waiting on the Lord, just, there is just this hunger and anticipation that God was about to do something. And what he did was just remarkable. Now, a lot of um, a lot of uh, revivals and stuff, we see it like a large swimming pool. Uh, everybody goes, everybody gets in the pool, everybody gets wet with the Holy Spirit. Yay, we go home. You know, we take whatever we got at the revival with us. This one was different, and it, it's. I wasn't sure what to expect, so I just kind of expect the unexpected and just went along and go like, okay, whatever you want to do, God, let's go ahead and do. Um, the thing I noticed is more like uh, God building, uh, connecting different rivers, connecting these canals and everything, taking the dams that block up our lives and just opening that up so that as he's pouring his Holy Spirit out, it's not just going just into the Colosseum and everybody gets to take a little bit home. No, he's op connecting all the churches across the world and all denominations, all racial groups, all any type of other division or group he could have. And uh, one of their focuses was unity, 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 unity. And they went through so much things on forgiveness. They had people honoring each other. Uh, representing leaders, honoring each other, representing whatever group that was appropriate for what they were doing at the time. And there was just this opening of forgiveness. And um, some of it was basically to heal our world. Uh, they focused on healing the U.S. and healing the world and connecting all these people together as one, as one body of Christ, as one bride, not a broken, dismembered bride, but as one bride. Um, one of the things that God showed me while I was there was there is um, a lot of this was punctuating things that I've listened to, things that God revealed to me throughout the year. It just kind of brought this to all these things coming together. And when I was there, uh, God showed me an image, is like movie, and I was like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Okay, 
So last summer, I was declaring things uh, during our prayer and, prayer and worship time on like Wednesday nights or Monday nights. I can't remember which nights we were doing that. Um, and I just came up, this phrase kept coming up and coming up, garland of praise, garland of praise, garland of praise. And I'm like, yeah, it's in the Bible and the city's named Garland. And the two are connected together. And while I was there, after a lot of the forgiveness things, I just kind of heard in my mind of, uh, do you know why Garland's multicultural? Well, if you look at most of the cities in the Dallas Metroplex, Garland actually has a very high amount of multicultural. You go, you could drive down the drive down the streets, and you see stores, different languages, different cultures, different, you know, you know, the things that they they want from home. They've come, they've immigrated here, and they want some of the things from home. And there's these stores that are all over the place in Garland. If you want something that's unique, you can find it in Garland. Um, but God asked why it's multicultural. And you can look at the economics. You can look at, you know, this is where the families are, so people want to be together. And it's, it's none of that. Um, he showed me this wreath of, wreath of flowers, a garland, basically. And the flowers were all interconnected, like arms embraced, all woven together. And it wasn't just some flowers, and like three or four flowers together. No, it was so more flowers than I can even count. It was just interconnected, more types, more colors, and it was, it was this beautiful wreath of flowers. And from that wreath, I was watching uh, incense rise from the flowers. And then that incense was flowing to the throne room. And it was all these incense moving in harmony. And as this kept going, the flowers it started getting more and more. This, the wreath kept getting bigger, expanding. And all this was just flowing to heaven, our worship, our praise. The reason why garland is multicultural is because God's garland of praise is actually from all people groups. It's from all people. It's interconnected, and it flows in harmony. Um, one of the other things God pointed out was the whole one accord. And one accord is, doesn't mean everybody's singing the exact same note, the exact same song. It is the diversity, the harmony. It is actually based on the words like that comes from symphony. And if you look at a symphony, you don't just have one person standing there playing. You don't just have one instrument playing. You know, you don't just have just violins. You have violins, cellos, violas. Uh, you have a full set of um, uh, brass and woodwinds and percussion and they all play together in harmony and they don't all play the same note they play different notes and they play together and it's a beautiful song when it's actually composed and if you remove any one voice out of there there's something missing and just this unity diversity and everybody coming together and that's a lot of what I uh, felt that was there and I feel that Garland is about to explode with praise. And I've, I declare that, you know, this church would be a, one of those places where everybody starts bonding together and everybody starts giving off their worship, their praise, and it will blend together. And then the throne of heaven will be here. The throne of heaven will just set on our, our worship. And there is just something opening up, something pouring in, and it's not just anyone, it's all of us. So.
Um, so I got a lot out of Azusa. I was sick the whole time. I was like coughing a lot and had a really bad sore throat. So I was praying. I was like, God, I need to be able to sing. I can't like just be silent here because of my sore throat. So I got there and I was able to sing the whole time. That wasn't like an issue. So I was like, praise the Lord. I was really excited about that. Um, I think I really learned what worship is and what sacrifices and I think they like go together because when you worship you're putting something forth of yourself for God you're not doing it for you or for anyone else but it's for God and so I learned that even though I was sick and even though I didn't feel good if God said stand up I stood up and as an act of obedience and if God said sit down and listen and take some time to rest that's what I did and that's how I was best serving God by obeying him so that's what I learned. So I had been hearing about um, Azusa for for probably like a month or two, and and everyone everything that I was hearing about was like there's got to be a revival. Um, there's got to be so much like spiritual breakthrough and everything. Um, and showing up, I was like, I don't really know what to expect. I don't know like what revival looks like. What I'm gonna see, you know, um, and. There was a lot of worship. There was a lot of spiritual acts of declaration of uh, people groups healing of unity. Um, and I was sitting there. I was like, "Okay, God, what? Like, I've seen stuff like this before. What are you doing that's new?" And and the whole time I was there, I was like, "Okay, God, like, where are you?" There's this anticipation building. Like, what are you going to do? And I ended up getting home. I was like, well, that was, that was kind of a disappointment. But then I realized um, once I had got home, like, what God did in my life. Um, I, I remember getting home from work and sitting down um, to watch TV like I normally did before going to bed. And I sat there, and I was just like, I, I can't do this, like... God God put so much purpose inside of me and I was like I can't just sit here and watch TV and do something like meaningless God's God's put meaning in my life and he is he's created me with purpose he's created me for a purpose not just to sit here and waste my life and it was coming home to what I was used to where I saw that like that contrast um and God really challenged me to do more with my life, not, not out of works like, oh, you have to earn this, but I've created you for more. I've created you for greater things. And coming home from that, it really just empowered me to, to step into that and say, like, I've been created for more than, than just sitting here, more than just going through life like like normal he's created me to to lift his name up to do great things you know and it it was really interesting that that I kind of took that away from there it's not something that like that like oh here's God you know but I I came home and in my daily life I was able to see like the purpose that God put in me so amen 
Um, I shot a couple of videos on my phone, and we just wanted to share a really quick one with you here. The audio is really bad, but it'll just give you a taste of what it was kind of like if the video can run. This is the floor. Everybody was out there dancing. That's Jordan in the pink and Jessica in the green there. So do that for 15 hours. That's the stage in the, in the background. So that gives you a little taste. Before Claire shares, you can turn it off. Many times in a worship, um, a church worship time, if you look around, some people really aren't into it. And it kind of grieves your heart a little bit. You, You went to Azuzu and you looked around and everybody was just so into sacrificing their praise to the Lord. It blew me away how so many people are hungry, hungry, hungry for this new revival. So, Claire? So, like Leanne was saying, there were some challenges for a lot of people. Um, It was an outdoor event, and it rained off and on throughout the day. And so it was a sacrifice for those who went. But those who were there, the over 65,000 people, like James just said, were fully engaged. And I kind of felt like the day was kind of divided up into two different parts. The first, I don't know, nine or ten hours were warfare. That entire stadium came together in unity for the world body. And there was healing and there was an anointing on it that was just tangible. And Lou Engel stood in for the white Anglo-Saxon groups and he had people from the Native American groups and people from the Hispanic groups and there were Asians and there were different Christian bodies the Catholics, the Protestants, the Evangelicals, all of the groups of the body were represented. And for the first nine or ten hours, 65,000 people worked for unity and forgiveness and bringing the body together. How many of you know you can have a whole body, but if the arm is broken, it's still there. It's part of the body. It's not very useful. Body works a lot better when the whole body is healed and working in power. And the second part of the day was empowerment. There were people there who had never seen words of knowledge and prophetic and healings. And they got to see the power of God. And it was awesome. And there was worship, and they got pulled into 
you know, things that some of us kind of take for granted, but a lot of people had never experienced worship like that. They had never experienced the power, the healings, the prophetic, and they got to experience that. And there was such a unity and such a power. And um, I got to hear a little quick thing that Bill Johnson um, said about the Azusa thing. Um, I think it was the next day he was talking. <coughs> and he brought up um, in the Old Testament where the Spirit of the Lord had been on Moses and he had come in a cloud and there was a meeting at the tabernacle and there were 70 elders and that same Spirit on the cloud that had been on Moses, God took that and put it on the 70 elders. But there were two that had stayed in the camp. They didn't come to the meeting for whatever reason. But guess what? They still prophesied like the other 68 that were there. And God has what we experienced for everyone who calls themselves a part of the body. You were there. You were there in the spirit, even if you were back at the camp. And I want to encourage you to lift your hands if you want to receive what was there. Lord, I ask that you just pour out on them the same spirit that you poured out on those 65,000 that were there. I ask that you open their hearts to what you are doing in unifying your body and empowering each and every member down to the fingernails and toenails, Lord. Every part whole and able to minister in your power to bring your glory, to bring your kingdom here to Garland, Texas to spread throughout the world. And we receive that, every single one of us. In the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you for your spirit of unity that was released last week. Wow. How do you follow that? Nehemiah, I have a quick word for you, brother. Lord says the grace that he has put on you to be the youth leader here is sufficient. And he's going to give you more grace and more power and more wisdom and more insight to lead the coming youth horde coming through this place. He's called you. He's anointed you. You are the man. Amen. Y'all get ready for a bunch of youth. Don't see them here, but in the spirit, they are coming. Anybody ever have uh, backed up plumbing in your sink, your toilet? Your dishwasher. You know what kind of a mess it is, right? We had um, a tree growing in our front yard. And every spring when the rains came, it would get into our sewer line and back up our toilet. It was a mess every year. We tried to put stuff down the toilet. We did the Roto-Rooter stuff. And... It seemed like every season we'd have to pull the toilet off and do it again and do it again and do it again. And 
the Lord, I don't know if it was the Lord or wisdom or whatever, he says, get rid of the tree. And you get rid of the roots, and you get rid of the problem. At Azusa, we got rid of some trees that were clogging the unity in the family. And this tree was old. I didn't plant the tree. It wasn't my fault that the tree was there. It wasn't my dad's fault. 50 years ago or so, somebody put a seed in the ground. At Azusa, something really wonderful and shocking happened to me. These indigenous people, the the American Indians, who were the first people to put their feet on this land? It was the American Indians. And I have never honored them for that. They were the first authority in this land. They were the first. It was theirs. They hunted on it. They toiled for it. They raised their families here. And then different groups, Europeans, my ancestors came and took that authority away from them. I am part Cherokee. And what happened to me hit me so deep in my soul. One of the chiefs of chiefs, one of the big guys, got up to the leader of Azusa and said, we forgive you. Man, that hit me like a sledgehammer. And then I realized my Cherokee, I have to forgive the people up in Kansas who killed my ancestors. And I forgave them. And that was a tree that was ripped out so that the plumbing, if you will, of the body or the house can flow without any backups. It was a forgiveness, not from the white man to the Indian, please forgive me. It was more powerful from the Indian to me or to the white people saying, we forgive you. Wow. And right then, the Jewish community got up. And you know those chauffeur horns? There was a hundred of them. And then the... A hundred and twenty. And then the Indian tribes had these handheld drums. Have you ever seen those? And they have the sticks that hit them. I think there were a hundred or a hundred and twenty of them. And together they started worshiping. They were hitting the drum, and they were blowing the horn, and another tree got ripped out of the body. The Jewish people says, we forgive those anti-Semites that have hated us for generations. We forgive you. Another tree ripped out. Then the Hispanics got up and said, we forgive you for treating us like a lower citizen. We've, and we all also ask you to forgive us 
for disobeying your national laws and bringing thievery and stealing your jobs and all of this stuff, please forgive us. And then the African uh, American community got up and there was a whole line of them. He says, this guy is from Selma. You all know Selma. And this group of people is from Ferguson. And this group of people is from East L.A. And they said, Scripture says, rejoice with those that rejoice, but weep with those that weep. And he said, the Black Lives Movement is a cry to weep with us for the injustices that are put on our people. And for the first time, I wept with you folks. And I ask your forgiveness for not being more sensitive. Will you forgive me? I'm asking for your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? And my people for not being sensitive to you and the plight that you're under. I ask for your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? Amen. So I want that tree out of this church. I don't want anything between you and me, my brother and my sister of color, of race. We are all like Blair said. And I'm going to ask our body to do something right now. Is there anybody that has any American Indian in them at all? Would you all please just stand up really quick? And as an act of faith, I want you to say, I forgive the offenses put upon me and my tribe. Ready? I forgive the offenses that were put on me and my tribe. And I release them. I release them. Now, is there any, y'all sit down, are there any uh, Jewish people or any sect? Jerry, you represent everything. A Jewish sect. Let's do it again. I forgive any offenses that were put against the Jewish people in any way, shape, or form, and I release them. All right, any Latinos or Hispanics? Please stand up. Would you all do this for us? Would you release every offense? I release every offense put upon me and my people. And I forgive them and I release them. Now can I have my brothers and sisters of the African American community? Would you all stand up please? And if it's in your heart, would you forgive? I forgive any offense that is put upon me and my people in the name of Jesus. Now, all the Europeans, all those of the white race, would you please stand up and join with me? I forgive all the offenses and the hurts that have been put on me and my kind and I release them 
In the name of Jesus. Amen. This is one body. Many different kinds, but we are one. This is the thing that the Lord told me in Azusa. It is a cleaning out of the pipes. We have to have unity before we have revival. We have to be one in one accord before the Holy Spirit comes. This church has been crying out for the Holy Spirit for a new move for a long time. A long time. And now our pipes are clean and we are one. Amen. Amen. Garland in Tarrant County. The Lord gave me this back here at the sound booth. She said that Garland is not one kind of people. It's many different kinds. I started researching the different Indian tribes that used to live in this area, and there wasn't just one. There were different territories all over Texas and Oklahoma. The Comanche had some. The Wichita had some. But guess what this particular land was? It was a mix of all of them. Can you believe it? It was a garland. It had the Wichita. It had the Caddo. It had the Tunkawa. And it had the Comanche. Four different tribes lived on this dirt. And they got along. You think we can? Amen. Let's be an example for the whole DFW area. I think that's it. Thank you, guys. Well, let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to close right now. Uh, Amen. I had a person ask me what the mission of our church is. And, you know, our mission, I could only define it in one word, is revival. You know, the, the word revival is taken from the work root to revive or to bring back from the dead. And how many of you believe God wants to bring the dead back to life in, in every part of our life? And uh, in unity in the area of just resurrecting our dreams, resurrecting our understanding of who we are and our identity in Christ. God has so much that he wants to pour out upon us today, doesn't he? He wants to touch our lives. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are God. And, Lord, we just pray that you would just continue to allow your spirit to flow as a river through us, in us, outside of us, and around us, through our nation, through many churches, Lord. Father, we look to you. We give you the highest praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day. God bless you.